If you would, uh, pick out your pew Bible at page number 529. And those with your own Bibles, uh, we'll be reading from Psalms 90, verses 10 through 12. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Good morning to all of you who live in Mount Juliet and the surrounding areas, especially to those who wish they were on the banks of Beaver Dam Creek this morning and enjoying the clear water and the water out of the spring and the Honda rides and all that other crazy stuff that you all do when you come down there that you all think's wonderful and that we in Hickman, Hickman County take for granted. It's a delight to get to be with you today and uh, I hope David is doing well wherever he is and taking care of business there. I cannot tell you the joy that I feel when I get to be a part of your church family, whether it is here in Mount Juliet or whether it truly is on the banks of Beaver Dam Creek. And all you guys who are coming down next weekend, I look forward to seeing you. And we'll see if we can have the uh, four-wheeler racetrack cut out so you all come on. We'll be ready to ride through the brambles and the briars of Hickman County. Thank you so much for the reading from the 90th Psalm. The 90th Psalm is a very interesting passage in that it is Moses, and Moses is talking to God. It's a prayer of Moses from a long time ago. And Moses starts off acknowledging the great grandeur of God by saying, Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Moses just started out acknowledging what you and I should acknowledge. That God is in his heaven, that he is the creator of all that is and all that we enjoy. And after he has done that, he thanks God for not giving up on him. He says in just a few verses later, words like, Lord, we have wandered so far away, yet you wait for us and call us back to your fold. You are patient with us, even though we have wandered so far away. And then he gets down to the business at hand, what he's really trying to get ready to say. And this is what he says. The days of our years are three score and ten. And if by reason of strength they're four score years, yet is their labor strength and sorrow. For even then it is soon cut off and we fly away. Two verses later, he adds these words. So teach us, O Lord, therefore, to gain a heart of wisdom. Would you bow with me as we begin with prayer? Our Father, we're thankful unto thee that you have given us today to celebrate your son, the love that he has for us, the sacrifice that he made, the life he lived, the death he died, and the gift that he offers. And we pray as we look back at what Moses had to say a long, long time ago, that we will be able to celebrate in our own lives what you have done for us. Bless us, O Lord, that we might learn from what your scripture teaches and bless us that we might truly understand what it means to gain a heart of wisdom. In the name of your Son, Jesus, who is our Lord, who died for us and who bought us back when we had wandered away, just as Moses talked about, we pray. Amen. I think of all the people that understood what Moses was talking about. Perhaps David is the one who who saw it early on in his life. If you have your Bibles, flip back with me to 2 Samuel chapter 10. 
And hold that spot because before we go there, I want us to consider something else that is said in the New Testament. Where Moses said, so teach us then to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Moses was trying, I think, to help us understand that that we don't have all the days that we think we will. I think most of us actually, in one way or another, believe that we'll live forever. I'm guilty of that. I think that there's always the next day to get something done. But Moses probably had reached about my age, 60 years old, not hardly there, but I'm just around the around the corner. And I think what Moses had begun to understand is there's a lot of things I wish I had known earlier. There's a lot of things I wish I had done sooner. There are a lot of things left for me to do and let me get busy, Lord, doing those in order that I can gain a heart of wisdom. It's not any different from what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I want you to listen to what he says and how many times the word wisdom is used in this conversation with the church at Corinth. Beginning in verse 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Let me back up just a bit. Let me back up just a bit. Let's just begin in verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And as he begins to write this, he just says, I I did not come to you using fancy words because I wasn't able to utter them. And when I came to you, I came to you in fear and in trembling. And I was weak, but yet I spoke to you through the power of God, the demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith would not be in my wisdom, in the wisdom of men, but rather in the power of God, the miraculous things that were done, what you saw happen at the speaking of the name of Jesus. That's how I came to you, not in my own wisdom, not in my own way. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor are the rulers of this age who are nothing and coming to nothing, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. 
These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with, with spiritual. David, of all people, caught on to what they were saying. But David, in the typical manner in which Moses is warning about, didn't catch on until it was too late. Now flip back with me to where we were just a moment earlier, to 2 Samuel. And what I want you to think about is what, what Paul was saying to the church at Corinth. We're coming to you not in our own wisdom, but in the wisdom of God. We are bringing to you not our thoughts, not what we think is important, but we're bringing to you as illustrated by the power of God those things that are truly important. Because man in his wisdom seeks that which is of the fleshly nature, but God in his wisdom calls us to the spiritual side of life. David finds out very quickly as an adult man how important it is to number our days that you can gain a heart of wisdom. David in his life as king had a lot of things that he wanted to accomplish. He had a lot of things that he wanted to do, but you and I know the story of how late in the day David made a mistake that cost him the joy and the privilege of building the temple that God would have permanent residence in. He would be denied that joy and that honor and that opportunity because of something he did from man's fleshly wisdom instead of from the spiritual wisdom that God had to offer. And the story is so simple. 2 Samuel chapter 11. And it came to pass in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him And all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. And that was the beginning of the end of the rest of the story. David found himself on the roof of the of the palace at night, not being able to sleep, perhaps because those that he admired and loved were in the field doing battle on his behalf he could not sleep he rose walked out from the balcony looked down below and he saw Bathsheba bathing apparently on her rooftop which was a custom where the water was placed in the basin during the day and the the water was heated by the sunlight and then they would go bathe in the evening ideally and thinking that it was a private time But David walked to the edge of the balcony, seeing this woman may have turned to walk away, may have just stood for a lingering look. But what happened was David passed from the spiritual into the carnal. And the next thing David knew, he was not considering the next day. All he was thinking about was the moment. And in that moment, he thought, I'd like to find out who she is. So he goes in and he calls his servants and says, who is the woman? And they said, oh, well, that is Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, one of your men in your army. And David said, I'd I'd like to meet her. Well, the next thing we know, they send after her. Bathsheba comes uh, close to David. The sin is committed. Adultery is, is, is truly the straw that broke the back of David in this particular incidence. And leaving the the desire to serve God and following the desire to serve his flesh, 
having committed adultery with Bathsheba, David set in motion a chain of events in his life which pushed him so far away from who he was seeking to be, the man after God's own heart. And you know the rest of the story as well as I did. She comes back to David and she says, look, I'm with child. And David begins to think, how can I take care of this? So he calls for Uriah, invites him back home, brings him out of the battlefield, thanks him for his service, sends him to his house, hoping that he will be with his wife and the sin will be hidden. But Uriah will not go to his house because he said, how can I do this thing? When the armies of David are encamped in the field and fighting and you have brought me home, I will not go to my home while my fellow warriors are in the field. And Uriah plops himself down at the gate of David, his king, to honor him by his presence and to be ready to go back to fight the next day. Well, the next day, David invites him in, gives him a little something to drink, finally gets him drunk, tries again to send him home because David knew that many times men who are inebriated do things that they ordinarily would not do, maybe even had sworn not to do. I'll not go back to my home. David gets him drunk and tries to send him back to his home. But he said, I will not do such a thing. And he spends the next night on the steps of David's palace. David begins to think, how can I hide this sin? And he came up with this marvelous idea. I will just send him into battle. I'll have him killed. I'll bring her into my house. I'll raise this child like my own. Everybody will think I'm a marvelous guy because I'm taking care of Uriah's child. So as Uriah turns to Joab, he puts in his hands, David does, a letter that says, put Joab in the heat of the battle and fall back from him and let him be slain. That's exactly what the commander of the army did. And he was killed. Word comes back to the kingdom of the situation that had occurred. Uriah was killed. David honored his memory by bringing his lady into his home. The child is born and the story of Nathan is told. There was a man who had uh, lived in a neighborhood and a a stranger came down and, and and he went across the road out of a desire to take from the little man the one lamb he had so he didn't have to bother all of his flocks. And he brought that poor man's lamb across the road, killed the lamb and served it to the one who had come. And as the story ended, David blurted out, if you remember so well, that man should be killed. David had walked from the spiritual side to the side of the flesh from the dark side the calling had come and David had left the light and gone into the darkness so of all the people that would understand what Moses was praying about later in David's life David would understand what it meant to consider our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom three score and ten you and I know better than that not all of us get 70 years a few of us get 80 years A long time ago, my dad stood with me one afternoon at the back of the chapel in the funeral home in Centerville. And he looked at me, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, you know, son, when I came here, I was burying the grandparents of my friends. 
And it seemed like a very short time and I was bearing the parents of my friends. And dad turned to me and he looked at me and he said these words. He said, now, Bill, you are burying my friends. And you know, today, those words echo with so much more wisdom than they did when I came home from college and was in my early 20s. I did not catch what my father was saying to me at that time. But like Moses, the older I get, the more I understand what dad was trying to say to me. Because at that time, I was burying the grandparents of my friends. And it didn't seem like any time until I was burying the parents of my friends. And in the last six months, I have buried five of my friends. So it's just the tick of the clock and time as it runs on. And Moses is pleading with God, help me understand what I need to do with the days that I have left. Let me use them wisely and not foolishly. And if I were to be able to pull out what I would like most to do, there are a few things I'd most like to do. I wish that I could gain the wisdom. I wish I could have the wisdom to wisely enjoy the days of my youth. Solomon, as he got older, began to consider what he was going to do with his older years. And in the process of considering that, Solomon found himself looking back on life. And this is what he said to the young people of his age. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come. And the years draw nigh when you say there are no pleasure left in them. While the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened. And the clouds do not return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men bow down, when the grinders cease because they are few and those that look through the windows grow dim, when the doors are shut in the street and the sound of grinding is low, when one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of music are brought low, also when they are afraid of height and the terrors in the way, when the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper is a burden, And desire fails, for a man goeth to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. What is he saying to young people? He's saying before your eyes grow dim and you can't see, before the teeth in your head fall out and you can't chew, before you tremble when you try to walk from one place to another, remember the Creator in the days of your youth. It is so important, and I cannot express to you how important it is, when you are young, to decide what you're going to do with the rest of your life then and there. Because when you get to that point in time like David, where the sin has been committed and the rest of your life is changed forever, you cannot go back to the day before and start all over again. You have to pick up what pieces are left and move forward from there. And Moses is just saying, consider your days. And be wise about how you use them. I sat with a young lady the other night from a well-to-do family in Centerville. Her father died a few years ago. And I sat down with her after she had obeyed the gospel of Christ. And I was just telling her how proud I was and how thankful I was. And this absolutely beautiful young woman in her late 20s looked at me and said... 
Oh, that I could have been wise enough to have made this decision before I made all the decisions that have my life so mixed up. She's looking back now on where she was and realizing where she is and how simple a decision perhaps in high school would have changed the whole complexion of her life. She is sitting there with that child that has a father but doesn't have a dad. She's trying to figure out how she's going to make ends meet the rest of her days and yet be at home to take care of this child. She's trying to recover from the experimental lifestyle that she lived in late teens and early 20s. She was part of our youth group. Her mom and dad did not come, but she came. And she, she was a part of our youth group. And then she stepped away and she spent seven or eight years trying to sort things out. And now she's on the other side of that sorting and she's got them sorted out. But what she's left with is heartache and sorrow and a new determination to make a change in her life. Oh, that I had just done what I needed to do then in making the decisions that have determined where I have ended up today. That's all that she could say to me. And Solomon in his later years said to, the, to those who are young, do it when you're young and live it through the rest of your life that you can have your days and that you might be able to use them wisely. The second thing that I would love to be wise enough to do is to own my own sin. Do you realize that you can't get rid of your sin until you own your sin? David is carrying this burden around that he's created by this adulterous relationship with Bathsheba, which led to lying, which led to getting one of his friends inebriated, which led to eventually having the man killed at his own hand, and then added the mockery of trying to make himself look good by taking care of this soldier slain in battle's new coming child. And when Nathan pointed out that there was a man who had stolen another one's lamb, David said, the man deserves to be killed. Do you remember what Nathan said? Thou art the man. David, you're the one who stole the lamb. And David said, I have sinned. I have sinned. I have sinned. It wasn't until that moment in time where David could own his sin that God could put David back on the track that he needed to travel on. I've often wondered what if David had never admitted that that was his sin. If you flip over into the New Testament and take a look very quickly at two New Testament characters, you have Judas on one hand and you have Peter on another hand and they're both in essence doing the same thing. Judas is betraying him with a kiss. Peter is betraying him with his lips and his words. I don't know him. I mean, you're coming to me and, and, and saying that, that I've been with him? No, no, you're mixed up about that. And then he swore, cursed with an oath, I know not the man in the rooster crow. And all of a sudden, Peter realizes that in these moments of time, he has denied his Savior 
and his spirit is broken. And the scripture says he went out and he wept bitterly. On the other hand, there's Judas who came in and and betrayed Christ with a kiss. And the next picture we see is Judas with 30 pieces of silver trying to give it back and put the toothpaste back in the tube because he's already squeezed it out and he's holding that silver in his hand. And oh, what he would give if he could just give it back and fix everything. But he can't because it's too late. But Judas, instead of carrying his sin to the master, carries his sin to the grave. Peter, on the other hand, begs forgiveness. Judas hangs himself. Judas is gone forever. Peter, in days, is preaching the first gospel sermon on the day of Pentecost. Oh, that I could just own my sin. Because when you own your sin... The path to forgiveness begins. Forgiving and being forgiven. We'll finish the lesson in the next hours that we're together. But what I want you to think about right now as we sing our closing song is exactly where are we in our considering our days to find a heart of wisdom. Maybe you're here today and you've been thinking all this time about what is it that I need to do. Your days are few. Do with them what you need to do. Maybe that means becoming a child of God's. Maybe that means taking charge of the mistakes that you have in your life. Maybe that means looking at your son and saying, how would you like to go down there with that other bunch of crazy guys next weekend? Maybe it means looking at your wife and saying, I'm not going fishing this weekend. Why don't you and I go off somewhere in order that we can spend the night together on Saturday night and have dinner and enjoy each other's company for a while. Maybe it means going to a brother or sister that sits in this church family with you that you haven't spoken to in a number of years. Maybe it means straightening that out. Maybe it just means saying, I'm sorry. Maybe it means forgiving yourself. I don't know exactly what the days of your years need to be spent doing, but you do. And God, in his incredible love and mercy for us, offers us an opportunity to leave this planet on even terms with him. Maybe you need to confess his name, be buried with him in baptism. Maybe you need to go home, come home so you can go home. Maybe you just need to find your neighbor and ask for forgiveness or thank them for something they've done. Maybe you just need to turn to someone you haven't said, I love you to in a long time and say those words. What a wonderful thing it would be today. There was one thing in your life that you need to do, that you would do, because today you've realized the wisdom in numbering your days. If you have need of the Lord's invitation, we would invite you to come as we stand and as we sing.